All right, y'all, welcome back to episode 63 of Bitches Love Brunch. We are glad to be back. We get old in the game, and it's a Saturday, and I'm drinking, and we feeling good. Oh, y'all know who this is, <laughs> per usual. It's Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. What episode are we on? I said 63. 63, okay. I didn't hear that 63. Yeah. Hey, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Um... We're going to do a quick little recap. I uh, It always feels like forever ago when we record because they're two weeks apart. So sometimes I have a hard time remembering. But the last episode, we talked about um, just kind of going through growth spurts in your friendships. And also, what was the other one, Kiana? Oh, Courtney. It just lost me or I just lost oh. it. I know. It was gross first in the friendship, and then it, it did have. To, I don't think it was relationships because that was what no. We that talked was about the previous one. Yes, child. We're gonna have to go back. I'll get back yeah. to you. We'll get back to you in a second. But the gross first was good. I think bottom line for that topic for me was, um, you know, just knowing that we're always evolving, right? And sometimes we go through different seasons with our friends, um, even with our friends. Oh, that's what it was. Emotional availability. That's mm-hmm. what I'll just pull it up, too. There that's we go. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't um, I'll be an emotional available. Yes. That's what it was. So, um, yeah, that was that was another good episode, even though I'm partial. So I think every episode is good. <laughs> <laughs> And when we don't, yeah, sometimes we re-record them, shit. so y'all will never know. <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully you all have been enjoying the lives. Um, we had another good one last week. A lot of folks hopped on. A lot of folks were engaged. <laughs> Shout out to the Milwaukee folk. Yes. Um, they came through pretty deep. Um, so it was a good time, per usual. Absolutely. It was so good to see everybody, especially Courtney. Um, Courtney is definitely mm-hmm. a friend of the show. We love you, Courtney. The love is real. So thanks everybody for everybody who stopped by the live. The live was always fun, always interesting. Yes. Okay, so we are going to um, jump into this week's episode. I'm excited uh, because (laughs) y'all know we be on Zoom (laughs) so we can see each other. So our guest has been sitting here patiently awaiting, but I'm excited for this guest. Um, longtime friends of ours, um, probably someone who knows quite a few of my secrets, um, <laughs> but you know, but he's also one of the realest people I know because even how many years later, I can't, I don't know at this point, like he's just a real one. He's a real one through and through. So um, without further ado, because I like to let people introduce themselves, we have Mr. Jerome, a fellow Bobcat, with us today. And I we gonna- said Jerome in the house. Jerome in the Hello, hello. And that infamous voice. Right? Look, you know when I'm talking to a microphone, I sound like a cookie monster, so I'm afraid <laughs> that this come out all right. No, you do not. You do not. What's going on, Jerome? How are you? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, it's been a busy day. Uh, my youngest turned six today, so we just got done doing a little quarantine kind of parade celebration for her birthday. So, um, Happy birthday, day, But uh, just chilling right now. I'm about to enjoy the interview with y'all. I love it. And you know what? First off, let me just say this. 
Um, Courtney introduced Jerome. Jerome is one of my absolute favorite people. Jerome is like one of the best people in the world. Today we're going to talk about some of the things that Jerome does professionally. But before that, Jerome is just one of the coolest, like Courtney said, one of the realest and an excellent father. He has two of the most beautiful, um, just their personalities. I don't even know what to call them together because they're so different, but they are so such dynamic little women. And I can't wait to watch them grow and blossom. And so I'm, I'm excited that it was, um, it was sixth six birthday. They, their personalities that. are the spitting images of their parents. They which, are. Which, which is why it makes it so dynamic because like they, y'all spit out Nancy and Jerome. Yeah. 2.0. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's almost scary. And it's crazy to watch them together because we sometimes look at each other and be like, damn, that ain't nothing but us. <laughs> and you can't be mad. You can't be mad. You cannot be mad. <laughs> so which one do you think is which one of the girls embodies you and which one of the girls embodies Nancy? Oh, it's probably more anybody who follows me, it's probably more than obvious. Um Chloe identifies mm-hmm. as my twin and she wholeheartedly embodies it. Um Chloe is I and I am Chloe. Um <laughs> and, and uh Nancy is definitely able to so Chloe's the one she wants to be out and about, you know, she's like, hey, you know, you know, speaking to everybody, um, just a ball of fun, a ball of energy, whereas Ava's like, she kind of got to read you first, she got to yeah. feel you first, and then Ava's like, okay, you cool, you know, then she'll, she'll, <laughs> she'll warm up, but she's not all into the, you know, having to be out of the house, she's a homebody, she can stay at home and just chill like Nancy, so I would say that um, they equally have um, a parent that they identify with the most <laughs> I love that I love that shout out to Nancy I love Nancy to my core um, yes. so you send Nancy our love please I will yes I will. yes yes um okay well I've already been drinking but if anybody <laughs> else is I'll let you guys start um is anybody drinking do you have do you want to share what you're drinking <clears throat> I am just drinking water this week, guys. Um, I'm on a reset, so just water for me. Okay. Now, now I will say when I saw this on the um, on the agenda, I said, "Now, Jerome, you gonna come prepare like you normally would, or you gonna uh, take these?" So, Kiana, <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that you uh doing a reset because I got some uh, Gatorade Zero over here that I'm drinking on. Good for okay. y'all. You know, the first couple of weeks of quarantine, I was over here cooking chitlins and. Oxtails and ham hocks. And you have been thrown down. I was. Yes. Now I looked in the mirror one day. I said, "Oh Jesus, it's catching up real quick." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to start, you know, taking some walks. Some, you know, I would say run, but I ain't gonna even lie. So some walks, yeah. borderline jogs. Um, so I've been trying to do a little better. Um, and then my drinking just had got out of hand. I felt like I was just like, "You want to zoom? Let's zoom." And then a zoom meant a shot. Then a shot meant that before I knew it. Well, I had to slow down, but uh, I got some Gatorade today. <laughs> well, I have Prosecco because I'm getting ready for Erica and Jill Scott. So yes, I feel awesome and yes. I'm excited yes. and I ain't ashamed about being the only one drinking. And I love it though. You know, be kind to, you, to yourself during the quarantine. Drink whatever you need, whether it's Prosecco, yep. whether it's a shot, whether it's some water, right. uh, whether it's a ginger shot, whatever mm-hmm. you need. Just do whatever your body, you know, it needs in that moment. 
I don't know who's ringing the doorbell right now, guys. My apologies. This isn't normal. <laughs> you have to. Do you have to go to the door? No, my sister. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure out who this is. Wait, what you mean? Well, it can't be Grubhub because you would know they was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, "Do not ring the bell," okay? Oh, that is so funny. But here we are. Okay. okay. Well, um, now that we've passed the mimosa, Kiana, you want to share the affirmation and then we can get into it. I do. Okay. So the affirmation for today's episode is today I affirm I am brilliant beyond my capabilities. I possess all of the resources I need to positively impact the world. Nice. That's it. That's it. And, and, oh, and quote. nice 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 i always love a good affirmation so thank you for bringing that today yes um all right kiana you want to kick us off let's jump right into it so i felt like we were in court it's gonna say guys i brought i brought us here today but we didn't say um (laughs) but this is the impetus that i have behind you know inviting jerome on the show because you know, we're a brunch podcast and we recommend brunch places and we recommend doing a lot of things. For We talk about a lot of things that are honestly luxuries. Um, and one of the things that comes with managing your luxuries is managing your finances. And Jerome is one of those people that if I want to talk finances with, if I need to talk about how to get my coins together, I have no shame. I'm calling Jerome. <laughs> um, not to mention... You know, we all went to college together. We all met at Ohio University. And one of the things that I never take for granted, or at least I think I did take for granted at a point in time, but one of the things I'm trying not to take for granted anymore is that, you know, I met all of these beautiful people who happen to be my friends at this point in my life, but we all met while we were acquiring hard skill sets (laughs) Um, and valuable skill sets at expensive universities. So it's, it's time for... You know, not only for us to come together because we don't get to come together as often as we once did when we were all on campus. You know, we're in different locations. Jerome is in Charlotte. I'm in Nashville. Courtney's in Columbus. And, you know, I just thought it was a good time to catch up with our homeboy, but also to share some wealth and how we can brunch responsibly, especially during COVID-19, too. You know, the economy is changing and we all should be being mindful of where our money is going, where our dollars are going. And if we don't know, you know, how to do that, we need to talk about, you know, where we can learn where we can, you know, and support each other and share resources. So I just wanted to open that discussion up and to bring in our friend who is a wonderful, wonderful friend, but also a brilliant, brilliant accountant. <laughs> so yes Jerome do you want to give us a little bit of background let us know mm-hmm. like who are you where are you from um, and how did you get to where you are well that's a loaded question I was going to say ain't um, that always so broad right <laughs> uh, so my name is Jerome Williams um, as we already discussed <laughs> I'm originally from Cleveland Ohio uh, I grew up probably in every pocket or neighborhood of Cleveland that you can imagine uh, most of my childhood was the Cliffview area. So I grew up off of Hillview um, near the Euclid and Green area. I lived off of Eddie Road, Lee and Harvard, Oakwood Village. And before I left the city, I actually was a Westsider and I lived in North Royalton and then Parma. So pretty much has touched almost every part of Cleveland um, before relocating to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I've been for the last almost seven years now. It'll be seven years. Seven years? Yep, it'll be seven years in August, August wow. 13th. 
So um, <clears throat> pretty much my background is probably wouldn't be something that I would sit side by side with my current lifestyle. Um, I came from humble beginnings. My mother was a single teenage parent. Um, I watched her struggle for my entire life. You know, I graduated from Hawking, which is a, a college preparatory school, but I watched my mother work her butt off two full-time jobs in order to provide that education for me. Um, and, you know, I remember living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, now looking back on life, I feel like, you know, I was poor. But growing up, I never really felt that way. I always felt like whatever I wanted or needed, she made a way to get it. Yeah. Um, so that strong work ethic and um, that endurance and, you know, being motivated by your children is something that I still hold to myself today in that standard of living that I want to provide for them um, is now heightened because of the experience that I had as a child going to that college preparatory school, seeing that there was more to the world than what my street or my neighborhood may have showed me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that you talked about was just your upbringing and your relationship with how you saw money. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and one of the things they talk about is what's your money story? Yes. And they talk about how, you know, your parents and their stories with money, just in the same way that you have generational you know, characteristics, those those are adopted from your parents, too. And so you have to look at that money story and where you come from to really understand your relationship with money right now, too. It's so amazing how much our childhood and what we see and what we experience during those periods of our life that seems like a small period, but is the most impactful Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of those things that I witnessed, I still lived um, up until probably almost very recently, to be honest with you, um, Mm -hmm. as far as the importance of savings, right? The importance of um, maintaining high credit scores, um, all of those things that aren't necessarily taught to us, you know, Mm -hmm. or there's not necessarily a manual or uncle that is going to come into the room and start instantly sitting down and talking to you about that. They may talk about playing some spades or, you know, some women, but it's not going to be about those fundamental skills like saving money and keeping good credit. So I have a quick question and this wasn't one of the listed questions, but as you know, both of you were talking, I'm curious to know, because I think we all have similar stories in that, like, in how we viewed money coming up or lack thereof. So I'm curious to know for you, what was like that first, um, that first real interaction with money and like, when did you know like, this is what I want to do. And like, you know what I mean? Like, how did you get there? Because knowing, knowing you and knowing, like, as you stated, like you coming from humble beginnings, there's got to be a turning point where you're just like, okay, this is what I want to focus on. And, and how you got to, you know, your mindset of how you got to the lifestyle that you're able to live now. Right. And I think, I think that's a progression. And I think it's going to be something that is, going to have to be personalized for the individual. Mm -hmm. But how I would say mine went in stages, right? So I think like when I was in college, right, getting that overage check, you know, you would have thought I was balling. Like I was taking trips, you know, I was shopping. We was going up to Columbus, getting fits for every icebreaker. And at a point it hit me like, I'm in Athens. Like, do I really got to be going to Columbus, (laughs) spending all this money on these clothes? You know what I'm saying? And then like it kind of became with Jerome, you can still be fashion forward or, you know, feel yourself by just wearing an old Navy 
V-neck, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the label on it. You don't have to have a name on it, right? So it was stuff like that that started to happen slowly but surely. But then, you know, you get your first full-time offer. You know, you're, you're back in the city. You know, people going out, happy hours and stuff. You blowing cash, right? Um, that's just that's just what seemed like should have happened. Not necessarily what, like looking back on it, is that what I probably would do if I could do it all over again? Absolutely yeah. not. But in that moment, it was like, that's what I felt like was making me feel made, right? Or feel whole, mm-hmm. right? And it could be that there was other pockets of my life that were troubled that I maybe wasn't focusing on. So I was just using that as a substitute. Who knows? Um, but at the point where I am now, um, I would say when it comes from a savings perspective, I would say that Nancy has had a big influence on that for me mm-hmm. because Nancy has never had a credit card. You know, mm-hmm. Nancy has always maintained a certain number in her bank account, even from when we were in college. So I remember being in college and literally having no money. I'm talking about like, calling Applebee's and BW3s to be like, hey, y'all missed my order yesterday. I and right off the list. I to place my order today. That's how broke I was. I was calling yes. making up these stories so I can get a Surviving. You know what I'm saying? But I, I would be able to like, you know, glance over Nancy little flip phone or something to see that it's something in that account. You know what I'm saying? But to me, she'd be like, I ain't got no money. I'm, I'm broke. But I knew when I was in desperate, desperate need or there was somewhere I really, yeah. really needed it, she would always somehow come up with it. And it was the philosophy of drum. I am broke without that money. Like mm-hmm. I can touch that money, but if it's true savings, I shouldn't want to touch it. Right. Mm-hmm. I should want it to be there in case of an emergency or a safety net or whatnot. <laughs> so, you know, back then that amount for her may have been $500, but you know, over the years it increased, you know, thousand, couple of thousands. Mm-hmm. And probably with my most recent job offer, um, I got a pretty significant increase and I was able to like sit down with her and she was like, Let's write down every single thing, every expense, talking about mm-hmm. your lunch, your coffee, your everything, like anything you spend money on, let's write it down. And then, you know, this was like the anticipated amount that my first check was going to be for my new employer. Um, and she's like, well, this is how much you should have left over. And the amount of money that I should have had left over after outlining every one of my expenses was literally mind blowing. Like I couldn't yeah. believe that I had access to that amount of money. But all through this time, y'all, I was wasting it. Yeah. yeah. I was literally just throwing money away for no yeah, reason. That's what I've seen um, so much in quarantine. And then it for would became a. Nancy said, "I'm gonna give you three months to come to save twenty five thousand mm. dollars." Y'all, I knew it was no way I was gonna be able to do that. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I like when she said it. I was like, "There's no way." Right. I really, <clears throat> really got strict on myself, and I yes. said. Like, it's there. The money's there. What you're doing with it is the yeah, irresponsible yep, exactly, part of yep. you. Like, you have to stop being so irresponsible with your money and manage it better. And uh, y'all, y'all know I just started my most recent job in September. So that savings that I'm talking about was just to this past November. And I did it. And yes. the money kind of remained and it kind of grew. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been doing some home renovations and stuff. So, you know, we've been spending some of it. But... Like, my broke point at this point is $10,000. If I don't have $10,000 in my account, I'm broke. I ain't got it, y'all. I ain't got it. Yeah. Like, I ain't got a brunch. I ain't got a mimosa. I ain't got it. (laughs) No, listen, that that wife, let me tell you, she better add. She better add to the man. Listen, those people never sleep on Nancy, okay? Nancy Williams. Kiana, can I ask you what your first interaction with, like, money was for you? Like, what made it? What was like your maybe even your turning point? 
Mm. <clears throat> you know what? I think that I always had this strange relationship with money because I always knew that. Um, and let me let me just start off by because I think, like you said, everybody has like a money story. So I think that from my background and and, and watching my my household being brought up, it's kind of the same as drum. I thought, like I didn't know, like for instance, it took me a long time to realize that we didn't we didn't come from a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, even understanding, like you know, we got air conditioners, and granted, it's the air conditioners in the window. But I'm like, we, we, our house is cool. And they're like, no, if you have money, you have central air. And I'm just like, oh well, it was fine, but you know, whatever. So, um, just watching my parents and how they they work really hard. My mom worked really hard. My dad, he was a um, a truck driver, and so the way he earned money and those long hours, just seeing what it took to earn money. And also at a very young age, I learned that if I started to make my own money, people couldn't tell me what to do. And that's my thing. I'm not the kind of person who likes to be controlled. And so for me, it used to be, if I were to get in trouble with my mom and things will happen, she'd be like, Hey, you know, give me your car. And I'm just like, well, if if I had bought the car myself, then I wouldn't have to give her back my my car. Or she would ask for my cell phone. I'd be like, well, if I just, if I pay my own damn bill, you can't take back a phone that I pay for. So Mm -hmm. I need to learn how to pay my own bill. So I actually have been working since I was 14. And um, I haven't stopped since then. Even in college, I worked two jobs while we were in college. And so one of the things that I realized because I was working for so long was that I should have something to show for all of these jobs that I've been working since I've been 14. Yep. And I had nothing to show for any of these jobs <laughs> that I have been working at since I was 14. With, and up until, like, drama myself, almost my, my recent years, I think before this position, it was just like, what, what are you going to do with this money? Now that you've been given all of these opportunities, what are you going to do with it? And, and two, it was also that I think my face started to change too. I knew that if I wanted to be a good steward over other parts of my life, uh, I was really trusting God to do a lot with other situations in my life, except my money. And I had to figure out how to give him this money because I felt like I couldn't give God any money. And it was just like, if I got money to go across the world, yeah. you mean to tell me I don't got no money to give God. We got to figure out where this, where it's going to come from. Then. You yeah. got to move some things around. And so I think that really started to hold me accountable as well. And then I also think, you know, with my job working remotely and not really working in a traditional sense where I have an office that has a financial office and things like that, or an accountant and things of that nature who will help us with our expenses. I had to really learn how to manage the expenses of, you know, my U.S. market while working. And that that budget helped me start to budget my own money because I knew that whatever it was that I managed for work, I needed to make sure that I was pristine with my, you know, my budgeting skills. And so I had to start to look at money differently because not only did it become a part of my livelihood for work, and then, like I said, it, it was tied into my faith at that point. I'm so sad. That's what's up. I was just curious. I was like, I, you know, like you said, we, we just all have a money story. And I think sometimes we have those turning points of recognizing your relationship with finances. Um, and I think that's an important journey to recognize and acknowledge because I think it change, changes patterns, right? Like once you, once you can see, um, 
you know, where you could improve the life, the type of lifestyle that you want, <laughs> you really start to reflect and, and, and say, you know, this isn't the place that I, you know, that I want to be in. And I, I definitely get that. That's definitely a part of my story. So um, I'm happy to jump back on script now. <laughs> that was that. So, Jerome, I wanted to ask you, because you had this relationship or this, this, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it because your relationship was what it was when you described in college. How, what made you decide to study accounting? So <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I had grew up, you know, it's always that whole thing of what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my response was always a pediatrician. I had always wanted to be a pediatrician. It was just something about me going to the doctor as a kid and that connection between me and my childhood doctor. I felt like, Oh, I can do this. Right. This is a pretty cool job. Mm-hmm. And I went to Hawking, as I spoke about um, previously, um, I did biology and I did chemistry. And by the time I got to physics, I was like, oh, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> science is not my thing. Um, but I knew I loved money. Um, <laughs> I knew I loved math. So I was like, hmm, maybe I can do something with that. Um, ironically enough, um, I attended a program hosted by the National Association of Black Accountants in the Ohio Society of CPAs. If you know me, you know that I'm heavily involved with NABA. Um, mm-hmm. So in that program as a, I was a junior in high school, I attended that program at Ohio State University. And I went to that program and it opened up my eyes to so much. One, that there were so many black folk in the field of accounting, right? Yeah. Um, and then not only that, they all had such diverse backgrounds from a career perspective. I mean, I was meeting folks who work for big four firms, people who had their own tax practice, you know, people who worked for companies. So it was all of that, but they all had one thing in common and that was an accounting degree. Um, Mm. And then, you know, me, you know, for Q and A's, Oh, how much you make? You know, I want to ask the questions that nobody else want to ask, but I need to know. (laughs) Um, So realizing that I have all this opportunity with this one um, degree as well as the opportunity to make a good amount of money, I was like, oh, this could work. Um, So I went to Ohio University and I studied accounting. And I'll be honest with you, accounting in the classroom was not my thing. I was not a good accounting student. Um, But I knew from the day and the moment that I walked onto campus, I said all of those opportunities that were presented to me at that camp that I went to last summer, um, I got to figure out how I can take full advantage of those in the real world um, so that I can make a decision once I leave this place in four years or five for that matter um, (laughs) that I'll be going into something that I'll actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I was determined from out the gate. So while I was at Ohio University, I completed seven internships. So at internships with public accounting firms like PwC, I worked for the Social Security Administration. I was a tax preparer for the Ohio University Credit Union. Um, internal audit for Wendy's International Headquarters up in Columbus. So all of those experiences kind of shaped my accounting career more than I think the classroom because Mm -hmm. it showed me that regardless of how poor of an accounting student I was, I was still capable of doing the work. Come on, Jerome. Yes. You know what? I'm serious because I think people get so stuck in... in what we're supposed to... what what they say we're supposed to get in university where it's just like the classroom isn't just it and you have to have that thing 
that motivates you to keep going. And when you're exposed to those things and those opportunities, you went in with that foundation to be able to say like, and have that confidence in yourself to be able to say, it doesn't matter, not that it doesn't matter, but despite what's taking place in the classroom, I know I'm still capable of A, B, and C in this sector. And that's that's big. Yeah, and I can give you guys one example that probably was um, probably a game changer for me especially as a college freshman, because I had just got there, right? Um, you remember when we took, uh, what was it called, BA 100, the mm-hmm. college of business class that we all have to take, mm-hmm. and they require us to either go to the career fair as a, um, basically oh, yeah. an, an observer, so you're looking at other people yeah. get jobs, or you're actually like a candidate, right? So I had, was already involved in BSBC, the Black Student Business Caucus, and they were like, hey, we need you guys to get up at six o'clock in the morning and come and help set up um, you know, the tables for some of the recruiters. So I get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm talking to, you know, um, Deloitte's and PWCs, but I'm a freshman. I have no experience. And they're like, Oh, come to our table and talk to us later. And I was like, sure thing. So after I helped them set up, I go home, put on my suit, print my resumes up over, over at Kinko's and I go back down there and I'm talking to some of the smaller firms and they're like, Oh, we don't hire freshmen or, Oh, you're too young or you don't have enough experience. And it was like, I was getting shot down and I felt a little discouraged and the moment that I felt probably the lowest and I was actually about to leave, I was like, well, maybe I should have just observed. Like, maybe it ain't my time. Um, the lady who I walked around with, with Deloitte, um, hey, Jerome, I remember you this morning. I thought you were going to stop by when I was about to leave, right? Mm. I go and talk to her. And then as I'm finishing up with her, the lady from PwC, she comes and she talks to me. Um, and we, you know, have built a good rapport. That was in October of my freshman year. I had just got to Ohio University in September. Mm-hmm. Um, just to fast forward real quick, I ended up doing an externship program with RTA over winter break. Um, so that was November and December. Um, by January, I had confirmed internship offers for both Deloitte and PwC. Wow. I had no grades. I had no nothing. So it was just off of me putting myself out there, um, being involved in an organization at a young age. So if there are any followers that you guys have for this podcast that are still in college or feel confused about what they're doing, like, look, don't be afraid. Go after your dream. Go after your goal. Don't let nobody talk you from not going after it. If you don't try, you will never know. Listen, I didn't know that you even had um, seven internships. I feel like no matter matter what, I'll never cease. You never cease to amaze me. Um, But one of the things that I do want to piggyback off of that you and Courtney both either said or alluded to, you know, as I work in education and, you know, I tell people all the time, there's a lot of learning that just as much learning takes place outside of the classroom, if not more than it does inside the classroom. And you have to be vigilant in terms of the skill sets that you acquire in both, you know, opportunities to learn, because no matter what, I think we get caught up in the whole academia part of it. Like you're supposed to go to college. We call it college. You know, you're supposed to go to the fourth grade or preschool or kindergarten, whatever you want to call it. But in life, no matter what, you're a lifelong learner. No matter where you go, you're always learning. You know what I mean? And so you should try to fine tune those skill sets that you acquire in certain environments. And I do think that college, those type of fairs, those type of career fairs, those do set you up for a certain type of skill set that you do need to adopt in order to be strategic, you know, in your future. 
because you start to see those fears mimicking your adulthood when you are out, you know, at, at conferences, when you're working rooms and th- different things like that. You are you are exposed to those in college. Um, and and I think that, you know, those environments speak to that. But also that, that ingenuity, like you said, having that ingenuity on your own to really make relationships, build relationships. Relationships are important. And I tell students that all the time. It's not what you know, it's who you know. You can, you can, anything that you want to learn, you can learn in a book. Everything that they told us in college, which blows my mind, was they told us to order books offline. You mean to tell me anybody out there outside of these four walls of Ohio University can get this shit too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just telling me I'm in here just to have the conversations with these, these particular people. And so that network in those environments, you know, to capitalize off them while you're in those rooms. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say? And I know this isn't on um, the the list, but I I remember also attending a career fair my freshman year. And I wasn't the student that actually went up and introduced myself to a lot of different businesses. But what I did do was I walked around with Beatrice. <laughs> I walked around with Beatrice. She held my hand literally the whole time. And she was like, this is what you do. You know, next year when you go, and this is my freshman year when I went, but what would you tell that student who's afraid to start those conversations, who's, who maybe isn't that outgoing? What would, because maybe you've interacted with some of those people who may be introverts. What do you think helps to even approach somebody like you who may be more outgoing? And, you know, I work with students a lot. So that same camp that I told you guys that I attended um, the summer of my junior year, I was the director of that camp for the Charlotte chapter of NABA for like five years. So I ran into these circumstances all the time. Mm-hmm. And then for NABA, um, being over the student conference, um, we have 500 students who come to that conference looking for a job. So more than half of them are the introverts of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always try to encourage mm-hmm. them to do is... I feel like confidence is built by the awareness of your strengths and weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The more confident you are in those strengths and weaknesses will help you to navigate a room like a career fair, right? So for me, I know that my grades probably were not the highlight of my resume, but I knew that my communication skills could change your perception of me more than having that GPA on a piece of paper. So what I would do was remove my GPA off of the resume, (laughs) which would then force you to either ask me about it or Mm -hmm. ask about other experiences that I can talk about. And I could talk about so many other experiences before we even get back to the GPA that you won't even care what my GPA is. Right. So it's understanding yourself. It's all about self-awareness and what can I bring to the table? What will be a value add to this organization? What will be will make me stick out as an asset to this individual who I'm speaking with in this current moment because that's what's going to move you to the next level. And you have to continue to do that interview after interview until you get your final offer, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just say be in tune with yourself and don't be afraid to have weaknesses. Everybody has areas of opportunities. Everybody has something that they can improve or do better on. So that shouldn't be the goal to be a picture-perfect candidate. Right. But what you should try to do is be able to hone in on those skills that are essential for the role and be able to present yourself and package yourself in a way that will make you undeniable. There it is. I love it. There it is. I think Wait. people can I think people can appreciate self-awareness and accountability more than anything. And when you're able to articulate those things and present them 
on the front end and not shy away from them, it makes you that much more um, attractive and marketable. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be about a career. You know what I mean? But it's just like, I, I know myself. I know what it is. Um, these are my opportunities of improvement, but this is also where I shine. Like, yeah. this is what you will be missing if you, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't exactly. have me. Exactly. Right. And, and don't miss, don't miss the, um, the point about being strategic too, you know, <laughs> you know, when you removed your GPA. Right. Don't. Yes. yes. <laughs> that I learned that earlier. Be very strategic in what you do and what you, uh, and how you move and how you move a room. You know, be very careful about the words that you choose. We always say, you know, shout out to the rewords mean things. Mm-hmm. So be strategic in how you operate and what you want people to see and how, and how you want to put forth, you know, your profile to somebody. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah. So, Jerome, what skill from accounting do you use most in your everyday life? I would say for me, um, you know, when people hear the word accounting, right, they automatically assume someone who's punching numbers, somebody who's looking at numbers all day, every day, closing books, month in, quarter in. I do none of that. Um, So I'm a senior manager of internal audit um, for a major retailer. Um, And I would say... My job is focused around risk, right? Everything that I do is about risk and risk mitigation. So um, basically, I will look at a process for an area of our business, and I would try to understand the process. Um, There's probably some sort of policies or procedures that are in place um, to facilitate how that work should be happening. You know, I interview the people, the main players at the table for that particular area of business and try to make sure that there aren't any gaps that exist between what's prescribed for how the business should operate and how they're actually currently operated. And if there are um, any gaps, making sure that there are controls in place that will properly mitigate any type of risk that that could bring to the company. So that could be, you know, reputational risk, financial risk, you know, compliance risk, any of those things. So um, I think my job is more common sense than Mm -hmm. anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And making sure that proper things are in place to help prevent fraud or, you know, misspending and things of that nature. And then we don't want our company to have, you know, bad name in media. So protecting that as well. But um, overall, I would say skill set, the biggest skill set in auditing and what I do is common sense. Because when we see something that seems like a red flag, it's probably a red flag. Uh, When we see something that's not being monitored properly or somebody's not signing off with the proper authorization, right, those are things that we want to go after and understand why it's not happening and what controls can be put in place. Um, Obviously, you know, automated controls are um, a lot easier to use this day and age with technology, Um, but just putting a simple, you know, system in place that can catch that so that, you know, that's not happening. So, it's all about, you know, the impact and likelihood of the risk happening. Obviously, those that are higher risk, we, you know, have a more bigger focus on. But as far as my day to day, it's just using my head and my common sense. Listen, and luckily for you, common sense is so common. It's so you. Right, right. Because you, you better believe it's some people who ain't got no common sense. I'd be like, are you okay? Are you sure? You're all right. Oh baby, you know, let me let me talk to you. Right. Just for a little bit. Okay. 
Um, one thing I will say about what you part of what what you just said, <clears throat> and I think this this is important because I work in nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, is reputation and how your reputation can impact your finances as a company or organization. And I think, like we said, common sense ain't so common, but and it seems like one of those basic things that people should get and understand. <clears throat> but we've seen time and time again where, you know, somebody puts out the wrong product that comes off a little ri- a little racist and yeah. how that can impact your name and your brand. Um, and I would say the same, you know, it's just across the board for in for any industry. Like you have to be mindful of what your reputation is and what your branding is and what you put out. Like, how is that going to be perceived? Because at the end of the day, it's business. And if, and if this is going to impact our bottom line, which is the dollar, we need to be mindful of that. And so I just love your note about that. And just, you know, if it feels like a red flag, then it's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. And I'm sure companies are being extra sensitive about that, especially right now during COVID-19 based off of how they react, how they handle their customers um, and how that could potentially affect their bottom line long term. Because I think that's when they'll start to see the true effects of what's really going to happen, you know, in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yep. So budgeting, let's talk budgeting for a second. Okay. How do you begin to budget? So my thing is, I, I, similar to you, I laid out all of my expenses, all of my money that was moving out of my account. I was like, who are you? Where are you going? Why you been here so many times? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the way that I pretty much started to really understand you know, what my budget is, because I think it could be very individualized or, you know, there's several different styles of budgeting. I was also um, reading a lot about the way that Dave Ramsey budgets, where he budgets Mm -hmm. down to zero, making sure that every dollar is accounted for. What is the best way that you budget or that you found that you budget? And we can go across the, you know, the board and ask that. It may be different for each of us. Yeah, how I would respond to that is, Honestly, before, like, pre-marriage, there was no such thing as a budget for me. I just lived, right? (laughs) I paid my bills, you know, and I just um, lived. And then I remember being on the shuttle to the resort. Um, It was a black couple on there from Detroit, and it was a a white couple. And um, obviously, the couple from Detroit had been married for some time, and um, the white couple was also newlywed. So... Budget kind of just came up, and the Detroit couple was like, oh, yeah, we do 80-20. And I was like, say more. <laughs> he was like, you know, 80% of whatever we bring into the house, no matter what our salaries are, we put into a joint account. And um, all the household, kids, everything related to the house comes out of that. But then we have our own account where 20% goes in. And basically, you can do whatever you want to do. Nobody have access to it. Can't nobody see it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So... Being new to it, you know, I was like, oh, let's try that. Um, and it worked for a while. Um, but then, you know, folks started getting increases and somebody's 80% be bigger <laughs> than the other person and all that. So um, we were like, okay, let's kind of let's kind of redo this. Um, so I say all that to say that I think that budgets are something that always needs to be adapted. I think as you go through life, right. you start to make more money, you start to get um, 
more assets, right? Um, there's going to be things that kind of need to be changed, moved around, and you just have to be willing to adapt to that. Um, I would say now um, budgeting is now a lot easier because of that, though. Um, because when I was making fifty, sixty thousand dollars, I made that work. So now to be where I am now, um, it just gives me some diversity and kind of where I can move money. Like, you know, what am I holding money for? Um, investments, you know, home renovations, you know, all those type of things. So um, I would say from a budget perspective, you have to have a goal in mind. Um, so I know, you know, back in the day, it was I want to be able to have a down payment, you know, for my home. And I want to be able to, you know, move into my home comfortably, knowing that I'll be able to maintain for at least three to six months um, if I was able to lose my job or anything like that. Um, so then I bought my house uh, and, you know, became comfortable in that. So it was just like, all it, for me, budgeting is easier when I have a goal in mind. So yeah. it's like, you know, mm. With the home renovations that we want to do now, it's like, okay, well, that money's there and I'm budgeting around this quantity because I know I'm going to need this quantity to do what I need to do around the house, but I also have bills that need to be paid. You know, I also have this, that, and the other. So, um, and I and I don't, don't want people to always think about budget as what I'm bringing in versus what I'm bringing out. There's always adjustments that can be made within that budget. Like for me, with this whole COVID thing, I recently refinanced our house. I refinanced my car. Yeah. So now the budget is changed because I now have less money that's going out. Right. What am I going to do with that extra income? Right. And it's up to me um, to decide and have that luxury that I didn't have previously because I was sending it to my you know creditors to say what that money is going to be for and what am I saving it for? Or is it that finally I want to go out and buy that Louis belt or that Gucci belt that I've been wanting to buy. And I now have the funds to because of some adjustments I've made in my budget. So it's kind of a thought process. Um, but I would say to me, the best way to go after a budget is with a goal in mind and what you're trying to achieve within short term and short term could be a month or two months, three months, even six months. But then what do you want to see in a year and five years? Mm-hmm. Cause that's when you start to move into like investments and things like that. Things that, would take time for the money to sit in order for it to grow. Yep. That's it. What about you? Um, for me, I think I am still working on what budgeting looks like for me and not in the sense that I don't because I'm there like I know where every dollar goes (laughs) like don't get it twisted there are some people that do budgeting differently you know some people have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets some people um you know track it through you know mobile devices and that's probably where I first started so with my bank as things are going out or coming in, they categorize it for me and tell and essentially tell me. So if I wanted to at any moment, I could pull from that and see like how much on a monthly basis I'm spending on food, entertainment, gas, whatever expenses and how much I'm actually bringing in. So at that point, I didn't really for me, I didn't really feel like I needed to do the whole spreadsheet thing. But I've always been mindful of where my dollars were going. And that's um a big part of that is because I didn't have a lot of dollars. <laughs> so I had to know where my dollars were going. Like I had yeah. to be mindful of that. Like anything that seemed off, I was like, Mm-mm, that ain't right because I know I spent this. I know I spent that. Um, for me, budgeting really started with a mindset shift. Um, this is kind of going back to 
my relationship with money and what I saw growing up. Um, I think I was introduced to, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul very early on. And so to me, that's what budget <laughs> looked like. Like he was moving money around as you needed to. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to a certain point. I mean, I felt this way in college, but in co- you know, college money versus career money is very different. <clears throat> so, you know, I really didn't have a choice. Um, but, you know, early on, it was just like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to be in this position. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. And so though I was very mindful of those dollars, those dollars were still very limited. So it was hard for me to work within those um, constraints. But where I really made a turn or what really made a turn for me was just knowing that I was saying like 2017, I was just like, this isn't like I was doing well for myself in terms of salary and all of that and and having money left over. But I wasn't able to save the way that I wanted to. I wasn't, you know, able to get up and go the way that I want to like naturally for me I feel like I'm a free-spirited person and so if I can't just get up and go and money is the confinement to that then I then I don't feel good about that um so in 2018 I actually took pretty much what was like a financial fast for me one of the things that I love to do most and where I recognize is where I was spending a lot of my dollars was traveling and so I told myself that all of 2018 I wasn't allowed to travel And it was really within the hopes of saving money for a house. Um, But when I tell you I did not save a lot of money at all in 2018, but I didn't care. The reward in that year was a whole mindset shift because I was looking at my credit score. I was being more familiar with, with, with what was on that because that also impacts what I could do for me. And it wasn't horrible, but I knew that it could be improved. And for what I wanted to do, um, my credit score and my money mattered. So I could have $10,000 in savings, but a credit score, a bad credit score wasn't going to get me, you know, the house or whatever, or car or whatever that I wanted. Um, so in 2018, I had a real financial shift and I, I'm trying to think between now and 2018, what is it? 2020 now? I've probably seen it, seen an increase of, 100 to 150 points on my credit score and that was that was a big thing for me because I wanted to see that jump so I wanted to see some things change and then um I know I've mentioned this before on the show but and and if y'all know me like I like to have my own space (laughs) and all of that but my sister had been offering to me for some time because she bought a house in 2018 she was like just move in save some money so I moved in with her um mid 2019 and I've just been able to save on top of what I was already doing I think Kiana you and I talk about this all the time like even prior to that I just kind of created this habit of um whatever money I had left over from a paycheck that would go into savings. And so it almost became a competition with myself because it was like, if I didn't have no money left over, then that means ain't nothing going to savings. So it was like, let's see how much I can have on this pay, you know, left over so I could put it in the save. And that was just one method of what I was doing. Um, So that's really kind of how it, how it started for me. Now I have gotten to a point of like spreadsheets and all of that. Cause I like to see, um, cause at one point I was doing Airbnb. So I had that income on top of, you know, on top of my job. So I like to see where all of that money was coming in and seeing where that money was going out. And then when I saw certain things, 
that was going out and was like, I don't even use that. Why am I still paying for this? Like, get that off of there. You know what I mean? Just being very mindful of where those dollars um, are. But to know what my savings looks like right now versus where it was two years ago, um, that's probably the most rewarding feeling. And like Jerome said, a big thing for me is just always having a goal in mind. And that ultimate goal for me is just financial state uh, stability, because I just don't want to ever be in that place again of where it's just like if something happened tomorrow, if something was going on with my car, remember, like my brakes went out. And I didn't want to, you know, foot the $250, but it was like, but you got it. <laughs> like, And it's a lot of people that are like, you know, that's just like that 250 would change the game for this. I, I would want to jump in and add some. Those are all really, really good points, Courtney. One thing that I would say is um, one thing that I would encourage people with, with budget, especially a budget that they are trying to promote savings, right, and have a increase their savings amount is what I used to do was at the end of each month, I would empty out my account. So at the first of the month, I started off with basically Mm -hmm. my set amount, like my set salary, whatever got deposited into my, for my check at the top of each month was fresh. Right. And I had to learn how to live off of that because we get comfortable with seeing that number or checking our app and being like, Oh, I got some money. You know what I'm saying? But if that, that's because that money shouldn't be being touched. So I would recommend Flushing that money out into a savings account that you may not have a debit card for, yeah. or you know, not direct ATM access, something that you maybe have to go in, or it's a struggle to be able to get the money, right. so that the money isn't touchable, basically. Yeah, and that you're every month you're renewed with a sense of this is how much I have to work with, and not that false sense of which you have to work with because you're including your savings amount. Exactly. You know what you're wrong? I um I started to do something like that and I had to like put myself on training wheels to do that yeah. in a way that I had to start off with envelopes first where I was just like you know let me put whatever money that I need that just because I think the, the concept of a car when you're just swiping you really don't know the change amount that you have you you know the exact amount of money you got when it's jingling in your pocket or your purse or your wallet like you know exactly what it is and that car can be deceiving and so I had to start doing that and putting myself like on an envelope budget and then after that you know those savings accounts that you're talking about they have higher yielding savings accounts that are strictly mm-hmm. online too so if you're interested in that also, not to mention, one of the things that was a financial goal for me was to establish a good relationship with a credit union. That's a great opportunity for you to start a savings account at a credit union where you can start that relationship there so you can start to build that relationship to start taking advantage of them hella low interest rates. Yep. So um, I started, I opened up a, a, um, a, save, a savings account at the OU Credit Union because I was just like, you know, that's my alma mater. I want to contribute back to the athletes community in a way too. Let me figure out how to do that as well. So and, and like Courtney said, it becomes a game almost. Like, where can where can I put my money? Where can I stick this away to? Where can I, you know, um, do better than where I was last month? It's kind of like working out. It reminds me of that discipline. Like, can I go further this month? Can I go further tomorrow when I'm out running? And maybe not a whole mile further, but that point two, that still count. Listen, I'm yeah. taking that point two. So even if it's an extra $2, an extra $1 where you can stick into that online savings account that you won't have to touch again, do that. There's a lot of different ways that, that you can you can take advantage of that. Have you guys heard of Digit? Oh, yes. I've been using that for years. I love it. So Digit is an app 
and they kind so what it does it it's it, it's connected to your checking account or whatever account you decide to to attach it to and it pretty much watches your account for the algorithm of your spending habits and so then it takes away little things of money like it could be like five dollars it could be like two dollars depending on that day if you like a, a heavy spender on the first mm-hmm. um they won't take away and, they, and you can set limits on where um like if your account is at a certain threshold you don't want them to take after that point and then you look into this App, and next thing you know, you got hundreds of dollars in this little savings account that you didn't realize they was taking money from. I use that. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, sign up for that. <laughs> I use that for my um. That's always like my travel money. So yeah. anytime I'm going on a trip, I always have that money from set aside from digit where it's like, okay, this will be my spending money for this trip. Now, sometimes they be getting beside themselves. <laughs> because, um, no, let me tell you one time they took out $58 and I was like, oh no, we got to sit you on pause. We got to put you on punishment. Right, like right. I had it. Quarantine saving, quarantine saving. Like I was no, this has been prior to quarantine. I was like, I don't know what spending habits you tracking, digit, but this ain't it. But no, I love that app because one, you can pause it at any time you need to. So if like if for some reason you're not in a good place or you just don't, you know, feel like you need to save right now or whatever, you can pause it and it'll ask like how many days do you want to pause for you can like you could pause for one day if you want to, but it, it truly is like, unless you checking it every day, which like I said, I know where every dollar goes. So I am frequently checking it, but it really is this like mindless way of saving money. And it's just putting money aside automatically for you. And you can set goals within the app. There's like a general savings, but say you're saving for a trip. So to save to your general savings and for your trip for a plane ticket or something like that, if you want to, but I love that app and have been using it for years now they do do a, um, I think it's like a monthly $2 fee or something like that. It used to be yeah. free, but I'm like, that $2 is nothing compared to what I've saved and been able to use over the time that I've that $2 I that. that you was probably going to waste, not um <laughs> what? Right. Way. I spend that at Taco Bell. <laughs> Ooh, a nacho Bell Grande song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making nachos for the concert, y'all. <laughs> you ready? You got a menu for the concert. You said what? You got a menu for the concert. I'm going to the grocery store while listening to them, and I'm about to go pick up the fixings for some nachos. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yes, in a black and mild. How many? How much time do we have for another question? We think we have another question. Um, let's do one more question. Okay. Yeah. Um, Time got away from me. We'll talk about this later, but this is one I think that'll be interesting for all of us too. If your student loans were, were forgiven, what does that give you financial access to? The world. The world. <laughs> the world. Do you the hear world. me? <laughs> the world is mine. <laughs> Five rules of Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. I don't. I don't have nothing else to add. <laughs> the world. <laughs> Period. Be in. Be in. See y'all next week. <laughs> y'all wouldn't see me no more. No, y'all wouldn't even see me if these student loans were forgiven. Bye. No, because I think we all just need to take a break and and uh, celebrate and jubilee. I think at that point, it's that is like reparations 
a form of reparations for us if our student loans are forgiven, honestly, because I think about that all the time, about if, you know, they were to actually wipe away these student loans and the work that, you know, we've been doing to be mindful of our finances just to try to get a flow because the things that we're talking about, these these habits that we adopt, this budgeting and things like that, it's helpful. But when you are staring at those student loans compared to those monthly actions, it feels disheartening. That shit don't really put a dent in that. And so I know for those who may not have student loans or people who um, do, you know, maybe this can shed light into what that is for some of us. And maybe, you know, it's just a voice of, you know, we in there with you for those who are hoping and waiting for those to be, um, you know, expunged sooner than later. But I think that for me, that would literally wipe out all of my debt. Um, I think Jerome and I, we had a conversation a few months ago when I was living in Atlanta when you were like, move home, ain't nothing wrong with it. Move home, Kiana, move home, save all of your money. And I was telling Courtney about this too. Like when I was living in Atlanta and I was traveling from city to city and y'all saw me going from country to country, when I tell y'all I was so broke and it was broke because I literally took all of my money, not my job's money that I was paying for my trips. I aggressively attacked all of my debt like it was my life's mission, <laughs> like my life's mission. And so if the, our student loans literally were forgiven, that would clear out all the debt that I would have, honestly. Let me tell you, <laughs> like Jerome said, it would it would change my world. Um, because one of the things that I learned when I was, you know, in my financial fast was when I started to become more familiar with my credit report and not just my credit score. Mm -hmm. Um, I really had to sit back and be thankful because my debt was not a lot. And like some of my debt was like medical stuff, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it was just like, so stuff that I just did not feel guilty about because it's like, no, I can't pay that $300 medical bill right now, you know, a few years ago. So yes, it's in on my credit report, but I say all that to say, you know, my debt was my outside of my student loan debt. Like my debt was so minimal. And that's the one thing really that's sitting there. And the only reason why I haven't like, there are like, two things that I want to pay off and the only reason why I haven't and maybe you know Jerome I may talk to you on the side about this but the only reason why I haven't is because I am in the process of looking for a house and so I'm being mindful of you know what moves I make and how that impacts and how that may impact my score but when I tell you that student loan debt is so real and it's really unfortunate that it's something that we incur when we embark on an experience essentially and especially for black people to that we think is meant to advance ourselves and a lot of times it ends up setting us back Mm. um that we just really need to be mindful of it and it changes the game like you know people say you know when you're going for certain things whether it's a house car whatever you know they may see that student loan debt and they you know they won't think too much of it but they may not but it still impacts the moves that you make because that's always going to be your biggest amount of debt like it's it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I mean, outside of just financially, it's just that weight that you have over your head where it's just like, I'm I'm gonna be paying on this, so get it how you get it. Right. <laughs> but that forgiveness would change the game for a lot of people. Good. Especially people of color. Yeah. Now, I would say this too. Um <clears throat> I know 
we're probably coming to a close to an end, so I won't take up too much time, but Courtney said something in the beginning of that, and she said, Jerome, you know, I may speak to you about this on the side. Um, I want to encourage everybody who's listening today, um, find you a friend, like a real friend that mm-hmm. you can call and talk about stuff like this, right? Um, because you'll be surprised at the jewels that your friends are holding on to that they feel like you may not be ready for or you not the right person to talk to about it. But you opening that type of engagement up just will turn, turn your relationship into something that's mutually beneficial for the both of you. Um, I know just recently I was talking to Dre about credit scores and whatnot, and I literally hung up the phone feeling so motivated and encouraged, like, went straight to my transunion report. Straight to my table, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Disputing stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That had just been sitting there that I didn't even think about like, oh, that they did say I missed or I was 30 days late on a payment from yep. a car that I had two years ago. But guess what? It's still there and it's still impacting yep. me some way or another. So without me going in and doing my homework and challenging them on that, especially during this time where yep. you know a lot of people aren't in the office, if they don't respond in 30 days, you know, it may just yeah. get deleted. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, use this time as, you know, a time to kind of do some research on your credit reporting and your credit and things like that. And then I would even say from a, a home buying perspective, because I know that's kind of the angle you were going, Courtney, with technology today, there's so many systems and um, things that they have in place with algorithms that can kind of basically take your credit report for where it is right now. And this, I went through this when I was going through my home buying process as well, because I wanted to get the most optimal, lowest interest rate that I could mm-hmm. at the time. Um, my creditor, my lender, he was a white man, you know. Um, it wasn't even about, you know, us both being black and nothing like that. He was looking out, though. He was like, look, pay this credit card down to this amount. Don't pay a dollar more or a dollar less. Yep. Pay this down to this amount. That, yeah, that's too long you got from OU College of Business. Yeah, you, you want to pay, you want to go ahead and bite the bullet on that and pay that. You know what I'm saying? But he said in two weeks, this system is telling me that this is where your score is now. In two weeks, when I rerun you, this is what your score is going to be. And I tell you guys, no lie, once I did all those things that he prescribed me to do, in two weeks, my score was exactly that number that he told me it was going to be. So, again, it's just building that network and that mm-hmm. trust and relationship with folks who you know have your best interest in mind. And when you have goals set for yourself, find people that's going to support that journey with you and help you get there. If you got people in your life who ain't want to talk about it or ain't got nothing for you, you know, you may want to reevaluate. Right. <laughs> but let me let me say, because y'all both said two very important things. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was that, Jerome, when you said that the credit companies, when you have those late history payments, you know, they have 30 days. Right now they have 45 days. And they've asked for 45 days because them niggas cannot keep up with the traffic that they're getting. Put that in now. I also sent the text to my group chat of my girls that if you are paying on any outstanding debt right now and you've been making, you've been in good favor, like making good payments, people know that right now there's going to be a turn in the economy so a recession is on the rise, meaning that debt is going to get paid last. They're willing to settle now. So try to settle some of those accounts that you may have been paying on and have good history. If you're close to those um, terms being paid off, see if you can settle for those. Also, Courtney, Tariya and I were literally just talking about college, you know, and incurring some of that, not even some of it, incurring student loan debt was our biggest setback. And I I need to do a better job and I need to hold myself more accountable in terms of sharing more about what I do in terms of making sure that college is more affordable for students of color. Because 
you know, college is the gateway that we need to be on par with our counterparts academically. Um, so we believe right now to play the game and to get a job. However, you know, we don't have to do that in the United States. I work in international education and college is a lot cheaper overseas. You get it done a lot faster and you actually are going to school with your people and a community of other people who may not look like you, but respect you more than your country does. And so I, I need to do a better job at telling more people about their opportunities overseas and to go to school and, and pursue their studies in a more affordable way because it's possible for us and we can do it in environments that support us where people who look like us, the things that we've been asking for, they exist. And I, and I need to do a better job of letting people know that they are there. And even just the same in the States, because I think we get so focused on college and university and it's not a bad thing, but we also have to recognize that it's not for everybody because Mm -hmm. what has a tendency or what has a tendency to happen is, is that, like I said, we end up in a college or university while we think we're advancing ourselves, but we end up in this um, large, you know, this large amount of debt when because trust me I was that student my freshman year my especially my freshman year my first freshman year as I like to call it um where it was like I could I could have been somebody's store manager by now I could have advanced throughout the company I could have been in the trade whatever that is and sometimes those experiences especially if that's something that you're really good at those experiences are going to be more rewarding financially for you let me go be somebody's um plumber or contractor. They make yep. money. So yeah. it's just it's just being able to expose our people to to, to just different opportunities where we, we have a tendency to think it's just one way. And I get that just because of our experience and our history where we didn't have access to colleges and universities in the past where really we could do anything, whether that's international colleges and universities, whether that's a trade, um, and if you're going to be in college here in America, then how can we do that um, to the best of our ability so that you're not coming out with this large number of debt? I'm going to stop talking because I know we have a game to play. And this has been such a good conversation already <laughs> that we're already yeah. over an hour. But I think people are going to love this episode. Yes, we absolutely. We need to do a part two. Yes, I think we will do a part two. Maybe we'll do an education and credit part too, because I think that that's a good topic. And I think that those are all good points that you made. And education is changing so much and students do need to know all of their options because even what we're referring to as college and universities aren't college and universities no more, y'all. They change it. Yeah. Even community colleges and community colleges no more, y'all. Yeah. They change it. So, and, and we know the people who have the resources and, and the you know, the skill set to really talk about it. So we're going to bring them on here so we can we can educate y'all too. Yep. So I got a quick game. Yep. I got a quick game for y'all. But before that, thank you for the great conversation. Um, <laughs> conversation was excellent. Courtney, this game is similar to how our um, other games go. You know, it's a this or that. You know, we can't do really that much on the pod, but it's a this or that. And it's the choose your come up. Um, so I'm going to give you guys some options. It's, rap- it's rapid response, but you got to let me know which one you'd rather come up in. Okay. All right. $100 now or $300 in, in next month? $300 next month. $300 next month. New car or new house? New house. New house. Oh, okay. Brunch or savings? Brunch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I miss brunch so much. Yeah, like you asking me right now, mine would be brunch too. You asking yeah. me right now. Had you like, asked me three months ago, I might have said savings, but right now, I put in two options for that. I was like, let me see if they really gonna hold true to the savings. I was gonna put in brunch again. So brunch or dinner now? Mm. Dinner. Yeah, I'm su- mm, surprisingly enough, I'm gonna go with dinner. You didn't ask me why, but oh. I'm gonna tell you why. It, it okay. is um you know what I don't I don't know what it is. It's something about the ambiance that I feel like comes with dinner. Um like, sexy. Yeah, like I love a good you all know this clearly, our podcast is named <laughs> Bitches Love Brunch. I love a good brunch, but it's something about dinner that goes with my natural mood of just like being chill and the ambiance. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with dinner. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with dinner too, yeah. All right, I'm gonna go with brunch. Okay. This would be a little bit different. Plus, I need I need to get out during the daylight because when the night when the um the sun goes down, I get tired. Um, we all do. We <laughs> do. We all do. Concert or festival? Ooh, festival. Concert. Mm. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Vacation. <laughs> vacation. Resort or private booking? When you all say inclusive. private, yeah. <laughs> is, is it all inclusive? Yeah, when all you say private booking, I need more details. Inclusive. Like an Airbnb, like you choose your own, your own lodging. No, I'm, I'm all inclusive. Yeah, if, if the resort is all inclusive, then I'm going resort. I'm going to go with private booking. You get on our nerve, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excursion or lost around the town? Mm, lost around the town tough, but yeah lost around the town actually okay. that's not that tough lost around the Drum. town <laughs> and, and or either what look if we're going on the excursion drunk if we're right, going drunk. lost around the town drunk right. okay and last one refund check or stimulus check refund check refund you mean like from college Mm-hmm. <laughs> stimulus. <Y'all. laughs> I'm gonna go with the stimulus. I ain't gotta pay now, that big back. Now, normally I would say I would have said stimulus because I ain't gotta pay it back, but I just thought about all the memories with them refund checks, and it just took me back to them bricks. So I had to go with that. No <laughs> refund. I said stimulus because my refund check was not that nice. I got a real <laughs> tiny refund check one time, and I was like, "What's I supposed to do with this?" But well, we just talked about student loan debt. That's all it is. That's what I'm paying for now. All, mm-hmm. all the memories exactly. I'm paying for right now. <laughs> exactly. Which, <laughs> well, we created some bad. good memories off of your refund check. There was a resounding like alarm that went off across campus when everybody refund checked. Say everybody Man, texted me when your refund check it, your refund check it. Yeah, it was and already a mess with college. I feel bad for my friends when the HBCUs because they stuff would be taking weeks and months, and I'd be like, I got mine on Wednesday. Classes started Monday. They'd be like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, listen, I already knew syllabus day. Count me out. I'm sitting in chub. Where yep. is my money? Yeah. So yeah, well that wraps up the game, guys. I appreciate y'all for for playing. That was a good game. That was fun. Good game. Um, I'm in the wrong email. If you just bear with me. Um, uh, I almost said like five different names. Jerome, thank you again. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Um, Thank y'all for having me. Is I think this is such a necessary topic 
that the listeners need to hear. It doesn't matter if you're in college, if you're, you know, in the middle of your career, um, or you about to retire. Like this is something that always needs to be discussed because just like anything else, and I think you said this early on, you know, in terms of like your budgeting and your finances, like it's always evolving depending on what you're doing. So, um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge. We were so glad to have you. Thank you, Um, Jerome. And now we're going to get into another fun part. Because, child, I was about to end the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) We got things to do. I have food to make. Right. Um, mm, Yep. It's almost time for the concert. Mm -hmm. Uh, We giving out tips. Who do you all have tips for? Okay. I have two tips. <laughs> Y'all know how Courtney feel when I have two tips. So my first tip is going to go out to I think I I think we gave her a tip, but I just wanted to maybe give her more money. So I'm giving another tip, or if not the first tip, to my Pisces sister Rihanna. I don't know if I've given her a tip yet, but I wanted I to give her a tip. Um, just for. Her contributions to the COVID-19 relief, all the things that she's doing with domestic abuse in New York, um, giving masks to the city of New York, just donating money and just spreading her good Piscean vibrations across the globe. I really appreciate her. So I'm giving Rihanna a 70% tip. And then I also, I mentioned her on the show earlier, but I wanted to give a 50% tip to Beatrice Salonke, okay, she just got a scholarship um, in her name for the junior oh, executive sad. business program at Ohio University's College of Business. And Beatrice was and is still a beloved member of the Ohio University um, campus, the College of Business camp, um, the College of Business, and she has just been such a light for so many students, and so many people have either you know, gone through the junior executive program or were members of the Black Student Business Caucus. Myself, I was a former president. Jerome was a former president of BNC. And so um, she means so much to that campus. There's so many students of color and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be even in the position um, that I do for work every day if it wasn't for people like her. So that tip is Jerome, do you have any tips that you want to share? Anybody you want to shout out? Yeah, I want to get, I think I got two as well, Kiana. Um, my first one is actually going to go to my director at work. Um, on Friday, he sent out an email about, you know, the tragedy that happened in Georgia. And I felt like to have a leader that is white um, be able to send an email written the way that his was written, just one that he cared enough, right, to even uh, want to have the conversation, which obviously is a difficult conversation, but um admitting that privilege that he has um that we would you know he'll he'll never know what it feels like to be me a black man so mm-hmm. um he sent it not only just to my team but to the entire audit organization at our company and um you know i had people kind of send me messages and emails saying that you know it made them cry and i read it out loud to nancy and she even got emotional just because Nobody in her company has even addressed it or even mentioned it. So um, I'll definitely like to give him kudos for that. Um, just being appreciative of the effort, right? I think if we can get yeah. everybody to yeah. take that little little piece of effort, um, it could drive us in a much better direction than we are in currently. So I would definitely give him a tip. And then the second tip will probably go to 
the Palmer family, um, Taria, Devin. Um, the brunch move has been something that has been consistently going on each Sunday. Even tomorrow on Mother's Day, they're still doing it. And um, I think in the beginning of this whole COVID thing, I was having some challenges with the adjustment and, you know, being stuck in the house and, you know, feeling borderline depressed. And I went to the brunch move and it just lifted my spirits. And anytime that I'm in that room um, with them, with the music, with Taria, constant change in fashion, as well as um, seeing Baby Justice, it just, you know, it's a highlight of my day. So I just want to commend them on that and what they're doing for the Columbus community, the Bobcat community, and just tell them to keep it going. I'm throwing it. money on those tips. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing money on those too. Shout out to your director and, and always love to the Palmers. Um, my tip is actually going to go to the culture period. Um, I think we showed up and when I say the culture, I mean the collective of those who showed up and showed out, um, in social media in this, um, case of Ahmaud Arbery and that tragedy that took place. I think we, we saw a slight shift in terms of those people, um, non- Non-people of color, people of young white people. Call <laughs> it what it is. Call it Make what it, it plain, is. Courtney. Make it plain, and I'm gonna finish this drink. Um, <laughs> share their outrage and their concern and their support and their protest. Um, so that's why I say today the culture that stood up and how we ended up in the place that we are with these two men being arrested. Um, but what I will also note is that this is not where we stop. Um, because we have seen this before. We know the Trey Vines. We know the Sandra Blands. Um, an arrest is just a start. And so we have to continue to make our voices heard as a collective. And so I hope this tip encourages us to continue this fight, whatever it looks like. I don't care if you're getting your 2.23 miles in a day. Um, if you're constantly um, supporting on social media and just bringing awareness, whether it's a petition and sharing that. Um, this is not the time to stop. Um, this is just one step in the process, but um, I thought it important to acknowledge the culture because I felt like I saw um, not just for myself, more white people chiming in, but seeing other people of color um, as well um, chiming in that they saw white people just, you know, posting and supporting and protesting as well. So it's a, it's a really trying time. Um, for us to be experiencing this uh, yeah. in this world, in this way, in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, but I don't I don't think we celebrate the the victories of the collective enough. And so I yeah. just wanted to give a tip to the culture. So that's, that's good. That's, Everybody got all my money this week. I'm out. Of, I'm out of tip money. <laughs> so that's, that's what a budget. Right. <laughs> I got a little extra for a tip though. Um, so that's my tip. Now we're going to go into, um, I don't have a brunch spot, but I do have a chef. So if okay. y'all have a brunch spot y'all want to share, you can do that. Or if you have a chef you want to share, you can do that. I'm going to share a chef. I also have a chef. Okay. So this one is new to me, but um, because I follow multiple chefs on Instagram, I just end up down a chef rabbit hole. But Chef Hoosen, um, he uh, he has just been posting these like beautiful, beautiful dishes, and not just um, not just food, but also desserts. So I've seen his um, recent, and I don't even like cheesecake, but it just looks 
pretty. <laughs> like it looked like it tastes good. Um, but it's a blueberry cheesecake. Um, he does all sor- sorts of uh, curries and all of that. I just love a good savory and cultural dish. So shout out to Chef Hoosin. Um, you can follow him on Instagram. And I really hope I'm saying his name right. So I apologize. But you can follow him on Instagram. And maybe we can add these to the um, podcast notes, the episode notes. Um, okay. But that's my chef for the week. Mm, is this guacamole? Sorry. Okay, I'm back. And so I have a chef this week. Um, our friend of the show, Kirby, was actually in a cooking competition on a page called mm-hmm. um, The Black Foodie. Yes. I found that page too. It's so good. Sorry. Yeah. So I went on that page. And actually, the person who started this page is a young writer. Um, she also cooks, she's a home cook of, and she's also a food writer and consultant, but she actually started the black foodie and her name is Eden the foodie. So if you're interested in seeing some of her work, um, go to Eden, E-D-E-N the foodie and also follow her page, the black foodie. Yes. Jerome, do you have a brunch spot or a chef that you would like to shout out? got one of each um you know my life was kind of divided between the twin cities of minnesota and charlotte north carolina so i'll give a shout out to uh, one for each but um and if you're ever in the twin cities in minnesota um i would definitely recommend nolo's kitchen nolo's mm-hmm. kitchen is my hands down favorite brunch spot bottomless mimosas they have this excellent breakfast fried rice um that also comes with yum yum sauce but um uh, included in that is um, jasmine rice, breakfast sausage, bacon, scrambled eggs, peas, and sesame kale. It is amazing. Um, one of my favorite dishes. They also have a few other specialty, specialty items that I enjoy, but um, if you're ever in the Twin Cities, I would uh, definitely recommend Nolo's Kitchen. And then for Charlotte, um, during this COVID time, my barber actually um, is a chef as well um, at DJ The Barber. Um and he's been doing like meals from his house, like he's, mm. that he's been selling. So like oxtail, shrimp and grits, um, lobster mac and cheese, um, just a host of different meals. So um, I would encourage people in the Charlotte area to check him out during this time. Um, and then he also, you know, does private events as well and catering services for private dinners as well. So um, you can follow him on Instagram at, D- at DJ the Barber. DJ underscore the Barber? I think it's just straight DJ the Barber. Okay, sorry. She's searching for him right now. Yeah, I was looking yeah. for him. Okay, sure. well, shout out to all the chefs and um, brunch spots. Um, and to those that... All right, it's DJ the, DJ the Barber 704. Oh, okay. Because okay. I was like, DJ, there, there's another barber and I was going to slide, but I was like, let me chill out. Oh, I found him right away. He popped up right away. Okay. <laughs> Okay, you would. Okay, we'll talk later. (laughs) We'll talk later. It was a joke. It was a joke. No, not you. I'm talking about something else to Jerome, but we'll talk later. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you again for such a great episode. Kiana, you want to hit us with the social media and then we out? Um. Yes, I will give us the social media. So our Instagram is bitches double underscore love double underscore brunch. We have a Facebook group. 
It's called Bitches Love Brunch. Get on there, start some conversations. We're ready to chat with you all and amongst each other. Um, you can also find us on all of your major podcast streaming platforms at SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Go like, rate, follow, review, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their friends to tell all of her friends um, that, you know, the brunch is going on. And then come see us on our live. Yes. Yes. Jerome, do you want people to know you? Do you want people to follow you on, on your socials? Sure. Feel free to follow me. Jay still don't play. <laughs> <laughs> Never <IG>. has. <laughs> Sorry. Give me the money on Twitter. You know. Yeah, follow me. All right. I love it. I love it. All right, y'all. Well, I hope... Um, Everybody at this point, by the time you all hear this, I hope you all enjoyed the Erica Badu and Jill Scott concert. Yes. Um, I'm going to hop and go to the store to get uh, the ingredients for my vegetarian nachos. I hope y'all eat some good as well. And would you say keep your chakras aligned? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I am at. I am at. Burn your incense. All that. (laughs) All that. All right, y'all. Whatever you need to burn and enjoy the show. Burn whatever you can burn. All right, y'all. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.